All right. Good morning, Faith Church. Man, it's good to see you guys here. Thanks so much for taking part of your weekend to be a part of our service. We want to welcome those who are watching online. Come on, church. Can we just welcome those as a way of saying thanks for being here as well? We're so glad for our first-time guests, but we're glad as well for uh, our faith family, man, that you are here week in and week out, man. Thanks for much, so much for uh, showing up. Well, hey, listen, we are continuing a series we started last week entitled, uh, entitled Mango. And if you weren't here, uh, you might wonder what that's about. And basically, we just took kind of an abstract fruit to talk about something that we find throughout the New Testament. Again, it's this word fruit. Anytime you see the word fruit, or at least most of the time, what the New Testament is referring to is basically this, that when you are a Christ follower, when you step into a journey of faith, that there should be fruit in your life. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, what does that mean? What it means to have fruit in your life means this, that when you make a decision, when you have faith in your life, that shouldn't be something that's just personal. That should be something that's public, which doesn't mean necessarily that you walk around telling everybody about it, but there's evidence by how you live that you belong to Christ. In fact, we said it last week this way, that, it, that fruit in your life is external evidence of an internal experience. So when you come to Christ, when you recognize that Jesus is your Savior, when you have a radical faith encounter with him, that as your life grows, as you move down your spiritual road, your life should begin to change. And so we talked a lot about that last week. In fact, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to spend some time online uh, looking at that and listening to that. Galatians chapter 5 is where we were. And Paul talked about what some of the fruit should look like as it's demonstrated in our life. Again, basically fruit is, again, it's this character of Christ in the way that we live. He said it's this, and call, they're called the nine fruits of the Spirit. But again, it's, it's fruit. It's love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Which means that as you live your life truly in a relationship with Christ, you should slowly, steadily, and consistently become more like him in those areas. And uh, I, I know that's not always, uh, always true. I know there are some challenges. There are some tests. There are some temptations that sometimes we fail and fall short on. Can I just get an amen right here in the beginning? So I, I, know, I know this. I know I've sat through a lot of school, a lot of... Um, in, in, you know, uh, elementary and middle school, high school, college. And it's easy to sit through and, and hear the information and fail the test. Anybody, anybody tracking with me? You can listen to the information. The goal is to get the information and pass the test. My wife and I, we yesterday, we, uh, we had to stop by a store. And so she was just going to run in. So I parked in the do not park lane in the, in the little fire lane. But I didn't get out. And so she goes in and she comes back out. And, and so I was busy doing something. So we didn't pull right away. And I'm looking down writing. And I hear her say, I, I, I thought she said, I forgot something. And she jumps out of the car. And so I look up and there's, there's money laying right in front of our car. And so my wife snatches it up and she starts running, chasing this guy across the parking lot, which I wanted to roll the window down. I had two questions. Number one, how much is it? And are we sure the Lord doesn't want to bless us with that? I, <laughs> now, I'm just telling you to think that way and feel that way. That's not Jesus. Listen, if you walk into a bank and cash a $100 check and the teller gives you 110 return, that's not the Lord blessing you. If you leave with it, you're a thief. Take it back. God wants us to have love for people, love for God, love for people of different colors than you, different creeds of you, different sides of you, whether they're on this side of the river, that side of the river, it doesn't matter. God wants us to love people, have joy, peace, true peace, abiding peace, have patience, whether they get out of the passing lane or not, whether they, soon as, whether they move as soon as it turns green or not. God wants to have patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So we talked about that last week. Today, I want to go into a conversation that Jesus has 
And man, he really unpacks some things that I think are important for us to hear if we're going to be people that have fruit. So if you're here today and you're like, Pastor Steve, okay, listen, I, I've made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm in faith. I'm new or I've been in it for a long time. Like, what does it look like? What does it mean to really change? Like, how does that really happen? Well, Jesus, he gives us some of this, uh, some of this information. John chapter 15, he jumps right into a metaphor in the way he teaches. Check this out. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches, read it with me, that what? Do bear fruit so they will produce even more. He says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. This is, this is so cool. I just have to say this right on the front end. So again, here's the metaphor. Jesus is saying the same way like there's a guy, there's a gardener, and he has a vineyard or garden. And it's because it's his garden, it's his job to go in and inspect his garden. And only he is qualified to be the one that prunes or to cuts off branches. Right, like he, he's the only one, which means this, this is so huge and you can't miss this on the front end. It's never your business to prune my bush and it's never my business to prune yours. It is only the gardener's business to judge whether a vine is fruitful or not and it's only his job to cut it off if it's not. And I'm just telling you, churches all the time, Christians all the time, pastors all the time are guilty of trying to prune other people. When we prune other people, we don't help other people, we hurt other people. And so I think Jesus right on the front is saying, hey, let's get, let's get the roles clear. The father's the gardener, okay? We're, we're the branch and we're plugged into Jesus divine and only the father does the pruning business. Some of you are here today and I'm glad you came back because maybe somewhere in your spiritual journey, you got hurt. Someone, you know, someone had something to say to you. And now hear me, as a Christ follower, it, we, it is our responsibility to warn other Christians, to encourage other Christians, uh, to help other Christians, but we're not here to prune somebody. Are you all hearing what I'm telling you? Listen, anytime we prune, prune somebody we hurt somebody several years ago uh, my wife and I we went on vacation and you know a lot of these places you go into on the beach or if you're into a port city uh, there are all these people they want to braid your hair and uh, not my hair but women's hair and uh, so my wife this is a long time ago so she gets we get off and and she gets a braid in her hair and so she wears this thing all week and it looks lovely and we get home and she's ready to take the braid out of her hair and so she hands me scissors and says hey cut the braid out of my hair and so I took the scissors, and I cut the braid out of her hair. And so she turned around, and I handed her the scissors and handed her the braid. <laughs> so apparently, I had misunderstood what she said. Apparently, she wanted me to cut the string to let the braid go out of her hair. I cut the braid out of her hair. And so, like, while, you know, for, for a long time, she had this, like, little patch of hair that just kept growing. So anytime we try to prune, now she got what she asked for. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> anytime we try to prune, we hurt. So, so he jumps in here. Now, let me just give you a couple things because there are some stuff in here that kind of can be spiritually scary. And I, I don't want to let anybody off the hook. That's, that's not my job. I want to let Jesus speak for himself. But I want to say a couple things that these verses that we just read and we will read, let me give you a couple things that Jesus is not saying. First of all, one of the things that Jesus is not saying is that God doesn't carelessly cut off branches. Again, you notice right here in the beginning, he says this, that, okay, that, that, that Jesus is the vine and we're the branch and his father's the gardener. And what he does is he looks at branches that aren't producing fruit and he cuts them off. And then there's other branches that are producing fruit and he prunes them so they get to be more fruitful. 
Now, if you're here and you're like struggling in your spiritual journey, this probably raises the question like, like, am I in the place that Jesus is ready to like, is he done with me? Is he going to cut me off? Is he, in fact, we're going to see in a minute, verse six, it says he gathers the branches and throws them in the fire. Like you might be here freaking out thinking like, is Jesus, is he done with me? Is he ready to write me off because I'm not changing fast enough? And, and I just want to tell you what, what Jesus is not teaching here. He is not teaching that God carelessly cuts off branches. I want you to know that the father enacted an incredible eternal plan that was executed flawlessly and costly by the son who laid down his life to secure and rescue you for eternity. And because such an incredible plan was made possible through what Jesus has done, he's not just going to say, hey, you're out of here. I want you to know that the same way we should be patient with ourselves, though expectant, God is also so patient with us through the process but he is expectant which means that God wants us to change he expects us to change but he is patient and I don't know about you y'all ought to get excited about this but he is patient through the process the Bible says his mercy endures forever and, and so if you're here now listen if 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 you're if you don't really care about God and then you might be a branch that's getting cut off but if you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, I love God and I'm struggling and I want to walk this thing out and I'm not always perfect, then what Jesus has to say about you producing fruit is, is really important for you to hear. Another thing that I, this is not saying is this, is that the fruit process begins with us. Jesus is teaching here about you changing, me changing, us having the character of Christ, us living this life externally that we profess internally. And he's saying, listen, this, this thing don't start with you. A lot of times we have this mindset, and, and maybe this is you. Maybe you're new to spiritual things, and you're just checking things out, or maybe you're watching online, and you can't even come to a building yet because you think this. I'll clean myself up, and when I get myself fixed enough, then I'll come to Jesus. I want you to know the process of change does not begin with you. The process of change begins with Jesus, which means this. It's not that we clean ourselves up and then come to Jesus. When you come to Jesus just as you are, just how you are, then he'll begin to change you. So hear me, no matter where you are, what you've done, what your background is, what your faith has been, no matter what you've believed about God, you didn't even believe in God, you're not sure about some things. I want you to know, no matter where you are, when you come to Christ in genuine faith, he will take over personally the process of bringing you through change. So keep these things in mind as we roll through this. So listen to this, verses, uh, verse four through six, let's read this together. What's this first word? Shout it out with me. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, watch this, and I in them will produce much fruit. Say that with me. They will produce much fruit. Now, let me just stop and just make this comment. Every one of you in this room, man, if you love Jesus, this ought to be something that you start speaking over your life. I want you to know that part of our spiritual journey is saying what God says, is speaking what God speaks, is believing about us what God believes about us. Now, I have been guilty of this, and I, I'm sure many of you in this room have been guilty of this about myself and about other people. They'll never change. I'll never change. My granddaddy was this way, and my, his daddy was, my dad was this way, and I'm going to be this way. And we start believing that we'll never change. I want you to know what the Bible says about you, what Jesus believes about you, what God says about you is that you will will produce come on say it much fruit everybody say that I will produce much fruit come on you ought to say it like you believe it I will produce much fruit 
that's like, that is a confession of faith. God, I'm going to say what you say. I may not look like it, feel like it, or act like it yet, but you said I'll produce much fruit, so I'm going to get to producing much fruit because you said it's possible. And I believe what you say over what my daddy said, what my granddaddy said. I believe it over what Facebook says, my buddies say, my homeboys. I believe it over what culture says. I believe it over what I say because, God, your word is true over everybody else. So watch this. You will produce much fruit. For apart from me, this is key, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Next verse. Read it. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now, again, it's kind of into this. It gets kind of heavy. A lot of theologians think that this conversation happened directly after the, the, the Last Supper. Now, if, if you're new kind of to spiritual things, what that means is that Jesus sat down towards the end of his ministry just before his crucifixion. He sat with his, his 12 disciples, and it became public. Jesus knew it the whole time, but it became public that Judas was going to betray him, and Jesus made it public that Peter was going to deny him. Basically, what Jesus is saying is the people who really aren't legit, who are just playing the religious game, I know who they are. They know who they are, and they're not fooling. They might, be, they might look like a branch to everybody else, but I know them, and they're not going to stay on the vine. I'm going to cut them off, and they're going to be gathered into a pile and be burned. But this is so huge because what he's saying through this whole thing, and he says this word 10 times, is remain. Everybody say remain. He says, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Remain. 10 times in eight verses, he says this word, remain. This word remain, the way he says it, it's this continuous progressive thing, which means you don't remain in Jesus on Sunday and go remain in the world through the week. You remain in Christ and allow him to remain in you every decision, every circumstance, every situation. And Jesus gives us, th- gives us this warning. He says, hey, don't get severed from the Savior. And I don't know about you, but like there are times I get severed from the Savior. Like, you know, I I allow worry to get in or fear to get in or doubt to get in, and it severs me from who Christ wants me to be. So he says, hey, you have to stay connected to Christ. You have to stay connected with your Savior. Don't allow yourself to get severed. And if you'll remain, if you'll continuously, consistently be in him and allow him to be in you, you're going to bear fruit. And not just some fruit, but much fruit. And so now listen to this. As, as we jump into this, we're going to get into some definition of what this means. But you're filling the blank so you have this. This thing we want you to walk away with is fruit in your life comes from staying connected to Christ. Having fruit in your life is going to come from you staying connected to Christ. Which means, like, you can't make it happen. If you could change you, you would have already changed you. Because there's lots of stuff in our life. Or maybe it's just me. There's lots of stuff in my life that I can look at and say, that's not good, that's not right, that's not healthy, I need to change that, fix that, move that, adjust that. Am I the only one? And so if, if I know there are things that need to change and I want to change, how come I'm not changed yet? Because the power to change is not in me and the power to change is not in you unless you remain in Christ and he remains in you. You say, Pastor, okay, like what does that mean? If I don't want to get severed from the Savior and I need to stay connected to Christ, what's it mean? Well, verse... The next verse he tells us, verse 7, he tells us what it means for him to remain in us. It's not like Jesus being your physical Siamese twin. Like, I don't see Jesus anywhere. This is what it means for Christ to remain in you and me. Read it with me. But if you remain in me, watch this, and my, come on church, what is it? My words remain in you. You'll ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. So what it means is this, to have Christ in you, 
is to have his words in you because those two things are theologically synonymous. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Son, according to John 1.1, he is the word. He's not a Bible, but he is the word of God. In the beginning, God the Father had a plan. God said, he spoke, the word leapt into, and the word called creation to leap into existence. So Jesus is the word of God. So what he's saying is, if you'll allow my word to get in you and to guide every situation and every circumstance, if you'll allow my, what I say, what I've called you to do, and what I've called you to be, if you'll allow it to be the compass of your life, it will lead you to life change. It'll guide you to the place that you want to go now i'm just going to tell you like a lot of us and i'm just going to say this i think probably the reason a lot of us don't have the fruit that we want to have and i believe christ wants us to have is because we don't really practically allow the word to remain in us now we get it on sunday there's three things i think you should consider doing to help get the word in you. So Jesus said, listen, if my words remain in you, you're going to change, you're going to have fruit. Three things. Number one, you got to read your Bible. Now, first, for some of you, actually, there needs to be a step before. First of all, you got to find your Bible. (laughs) Dust it off and read it. Everybody say, read your Bible. Now, actually, a lot of you aren't writing that down. Like, that's not profound. Like, I went to church, pastor told me to read my Bible. No, I said Christ wants you to change, and the way you're going to change is by what he said, the word remaining in you. And if you want to get the word remaining in you, you got to read the word you got to know what he said if it's ever going to guide you in decisions that you make. So I'd encourage you, read your Bible. Number two, I'd encourage you this. I would encourage all of you to start this journey if you haven't. I'd encourage you to start the journey of memorizing Scripture. Uh-oh, here we go. It's like, it's school. I, I didn't come for this. Some of you are going to, like, move stuff away and make a little puddle of spit and go to sleep. Come on, everybody remembers falling asleep in, like, study hall. You wake up and it's like, oh, did people, anybody see that? Everybody laughing failed one class of that. So listen, here, here's what it means. Watch. Is, what it means is this. Is in this process, I believe this is what the Bible says. The Bible says in Psalm 119 that we are to hide his word in our heart that we won't sin against him. And so if you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, I can't memorize. I got an awful memory. I can't remember my grandmama's name sometime. Listen, if you're here and you think you can't memorize scripture, you're believing something about you that's not true because God would never call you to do something that you can't do. Come on, somebody. So if we're to hide his word in our hearts so we can get him in us, then it's possible to do it. Now, listen, you, ain't, you don't have to memorize the book of John today. I would encourage everyone in this room, find one scripture that speaks to your life, write it on a little thing, write it on a little note, a note card, read it in the morning when you get up. Guys, stick it where you shave. Women, stick it where you put on your war paint in the morning. Read it a couple times. Listen, don't put it in your car because you're trying to drink coffee and, and curl your, like, your lashes and, and hang onto a steering wheel. We don't want you memorizing scripture while you drive. That's, that's a no-no. Because I know you're not going to pick coffee over scripture, so let's just do it in the morning, read it at night, and hear me. I promise you by the end of the week, you'll have that thing hit in your heart. I'm telling you. Uh, you know, my, uh, one of the things that we try to c- encourage in our home is our kids memorizing scripture, especially young. My son, up here on the front row, I'm going to call him up. He's going he's to say all the scriptures he knows. Are you ready? He's like, oh, no. <laughs> no I won't do that to you. Uh, this is a true story. Last night, so I'm sitting on the couch, and, and I'm going over my notes for tonight. And uh, my son is in his room memorizing scripture, memorizing the word. And he comes out and he says, hey, dad, I think they misspelled this word in the Bible. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so he shows me the scripture. And when he points to me, I just look at the one word he's pointing to. And it's this word bear. He says, "Uh, isn't that supposed to be like, um, isn't that supposed to be like the naked kind? 
And I was like, no, that's B-A-R-E to B-E-A-R to bear fruit. I said, in fact, we're talking about that tomorrow. He said, really? He said, what scripture are you using? I said, John 15. He said, that's what this is. And so my son last night, unbeknownst to me, was memorizing John chapter 15, verse 16. For you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and appointed you that you should go forth and bear much fruit and that your fruit should remain. You say, why is that important? One of the first scriptures he memorized was Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. You want to scream one out? He's like, no. <laughs> Daniel 1, 8 says this. Daniel determined in his heart that he would not defile himself before the Lord. Do you know why that's important? Because there are opportunities in every one of our lives, every single day, on computers, in conversations, everywhere we go, things we look at, things we do to defile ourselves before the Lord. And when you have that situation and God brings that scripture up before you, Daniel decided he would not defile himself before the Lord. Steve, I've decided I will not defile myself before the Lord. You know what that is? That's Jesus remaining in me. That's his word abiding in me. And when he abides in me, I naturally, not in who I am, but in who he is, helps me to produce godly fruit and be like Jesus. Are you all hearing what I'm telling you? So so i'd encourage you listen i'd encourage you listen if all you do is memorize one scripture you're gonna say well that's only one listen that's one more than you had last week read the word hide the word in your heart and i'd encourage you to journal if, if that's your thing and your devotion time like write a scripture every now and then it's going to help you to hide that word in your heart so again watch this now check out verse eight read it with me when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to the Father. You've got to read this last sentence again. Watch this. This brings great glory to my Father. This is what Jesus is trying to say. Jesus is trying to say, listen, if you're making this a job, you're missing it. Like, if you're like, I, I, I got to change for Jesus to love me. That's not true. Jesus loved you long before you were ever anything. Jesus loved you in the world. So it's, it, this is not about Jesus loving you. This is not a job. Well, my job is to be a Christian and, and my job is to change. This is not a job. If you think this is a job, then you're going to get really frustrated and quit. What this is about, what the process of change is ultimately about is this right here. Come on. This brings great glory to my father. What this life change is about is to say, Jesus, you radically love me and I want to radically love you in return. And the way that I do that best is by living for you. This is about a love story. Come on, listen, guys, don't leave me out there. Listen, come on, remember back in the day you were dating and you did all kind of goofy, crazy things for the woman you love, took her, come on, listen, some of you guys, now you stop doing it, you need to start doing it again. But be, you know why? Because you were in love. You weren't in love, you were in love. And when you're in love with the Father, you will do radical things for him to reciprocate the love that he's given us. That's what life change is all about. So watch this, verse 16. Everyone read this with me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Stop. In, in churches today, a lot of times when we're talking, the way the conversation goes is, hey, hey, when did you find Jesus? And what, we, what we're asking is we want to know about someone's salvation experience. Hey, when did you find the Lord? Hey, when did you come to Christ? I want you to know those questions, they're not right. Listen, I didn't find Christ. He found me. I wasn't even looking for him. I didn't care anything about him. I didn't know it, but he had been looking for me from the moment I was born. He was pursuing me and passionately looking for me. Listen to me. You didn't find Christ. Christ found you. Y'all are missing it. Do you know why this is important? See, if we think that we found Jesus and we chose him, what we're thinking is that because he's awesome and because he's wonderful and he's majestic, that we've seen something in him and we're like, I choose you. I want you to know that's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, listen, you didn't pick me. You didn't pick me. 
This thing didn't start with you finding me and picking me. This thing started with me finding you and picking you, which means I picked you in spite of you. When everybody else said you would never change and you would always be this way and you'd never get out of this addiction and your attitude would always be the same and you're going to act like your daddy forever. And listen, he said, I've seen in you what you could never see in yourself. So listen, let's get this thing straight. You didn't pick me. I picked you because of the potential I see in you that no one else would ever see. Come on. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. This so comforts me. And I got I to gotta lock this in and remember this. Jesus chose me. Jesus chose you. Watch this. And I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So I told you on the front of the message the two things that this, this message that, this, that Jesus is sharing didn't mean. I want to give you two things real quick, two things that Jesus is saying in these scriptures, two things that I believe Jesus is saying. First of all, Jesus is saying this, that he, the Father, is committed. He's committed to the process. He's committed. Which means when you're not changing as fast as you think you should change or other people think you should change, that he's not going to give up on you. He is absolutely committed to the process. Do you know one of the pictures of our relationship with our Heavenly Father is that, he, that we're his bride and he's our bridegroom? Do you know why a lot of marriages fail? Because they're not really committed to the process. As soon as things turn sour, we give up on each other. As soon as, 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 soon as things kind of start to struggle, we walk away from each other. And I want you to know, even though we do that in our human frailty and our weakness, I want you to know that the Father is committed to the process, which means he loves you when you're unlovable. He's committed even when you're not changing at the rate or the pace that he thinks you should. He is absolutely committed to the process. And when I talk about the process, I mean this right here. Because here's the picture that Jesus gives. Jesus said, okay, there are some bran- there, there's a vine and there's some branches, there are some offshoots. And the Father's saying, it's my job to look at those and determine in your life if those things should be there, if they're limiting you from being who I've called you to be. And if they limit you, then it's my job to prune those things off. Which means this, what God wants to do in your life and mine to help us grow, to help us have the character of Christ, it means from time to time, he's gonna look at something in our life and say, you know what, um, that relationship right there, uh, that's holding you back. And if you keep dating that guy, you're probably not going to keep loving me. So I'm going to cut that off. Now that hurts because I love him. And he's like, hey, you know what, right here, but listen, I love you and I've got great plans for you. And I want you to know, man, I've chosen you and I've ordained you to, have, to do great things. But listen, you can't do great things with that right there. I, I, know, I know that's been a part of your personality and it's been a kind of a crappy part. We're just going to, we're going to cut that part off. We're going to change that. Now, some of you are saying, but it isn't my job to change. No, that's the point. You can't change you. It's the Father's job to prune the branch. What God is committed to is he is committed to a lifelong process. This isn't going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next week. But it should be a steady, consistent process of God removing stuff that's holding us back. So let me just ask you a question. Let's not even involve the Father yet. Does anybody here can lift their hand and say, uh, like there's some place that I can identify right now that probably needs to be cut off and pruned in my life. Wave at me. It would be a great opportunity for you to say, Heavenly Father, I just give you permission to come and begin to prune that in me. Lord, prune that attitude and prune that part of my tongue and prune that part of my relationships and Lord, come and have your way in me. See, the difference between like this message just being a message and it being real to you is for you to want this. 
I really want to be who Christ has called me to be. I, I, I want that. I don't know if I want the process, but I definitely want the goal. I told, I told someone th- this past week about the process of trying to be in, in shape. I, and I said last week, I hate going to the gym. I hate everything about diet. I hate everything about working out, but I love the victory. Listen, you'll hate everything about the process of change, but you'll love who Christ makes you to be. You'll love the person and the character that God brings out in your life if you'll let him. So what Jesus is trying to say here is he's not only committed to the process, he's committed to the produce. So I thought, wait, what can I do to, to show this and just make this really simple? And so I brought my hair dryer. <laughs> so, so, so watch. So, so the father is committed to produce character, fruit in your life. So what Jesus is trying to say is, listen, if, if you just remain in me and I in you, which means don't allow yourself to get severed from the Savior and allow the word to keep staying in your life. And if, that, if you do your part, God will do what you can't do. God will produce change. It's not your job to produce change. And if you keep trying to produce change, you're going to be disappointed with the results. So this is, this is kind of the picture. It's really just kind of this simple. So this is you. And the power source is Jesus. I know it's really simple. Let me try it over here. This is Jesus. This is you. Like, that's it. If you will plug in, power will run through your life and you'll change. Let's go over here. Watch. (laughs) This is your brain and this is your brain on dry (laughs) This is you. Like, you have everything you need to change except the power source. You can't turn you on and fix you and change you. But if you'll just plug in, it's just natural. It's just the process. So, so watch. I'm going to show you this. Watch, watch how this flow's going, and I'll be quiet, and we'll go home. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. Watch what he says here. This is Paul, and he's referring to his ministry of preaching the word. He says, I planted the seed, or I preached the word. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. So you know how you hear a message and then you hear it again, you keep hearing it and finally you realize you need to change? But you can't change. Do you know why? Because only one person can change you. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollo watered it. Read it with me. But it was God who made it grow. It's God's job to bring fruit out of the life of a surrendered believer. And so I want you to see this process. In verse 2, when Jesus starts this conversation, he used the word bear fruit. At the end of verse 2, he goes from bearing fruit to having even more fruit. In verse 5, he goes from more fruit to much fruit. In verse 16, he goes from much fruit to lasting fruit. Here's what he's saying is, he's saying, listen, the moment you give your life to Christ, you immediately have fruit. You have the fruit of faith that you belong to him. And that's great. And if that's where you are, we celebrate that you've taken that step. But that's not where God wants you. If you have fruit, God wants you to go from having fruit to having more fruit. Everybody say more fruit. Now, more fruity, that's a whole different message. You got to have more fruit. Which means you need to go to another step and another stage of being more like Christ, more fruit. And if you're there and some of you have been in church for a little while, man, God's done great things in your life and you're growing, that's great, but you're not there yet. God wants you to go from having more fruit to much fruit. Which means, and I've seen this in my own life and you've seen this in your life, when I became a believer, I was, before I became a believer, I was nothing like Jesus, nothing like Jesus. And then when I got saved, like every now and then there'd be like these glimmers of Jesus come out. They wouldn't hang around very long. 
but it kind of poked its head out there. And then as I grew, like, there's like a little more Jesus and less Steve. Now I would hope, and it's, it's a long way from perfect, but hopefully in the majority of my life, there's a lot more Jesus and a lot less me. Or y'all hear me? Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. But then here's the trick. Verse 16, this is it. He said, I want you just to have even a lot of fruit. I want fruit that remains. And Jesus, because he's, he's a great teacher, master teacher, he does a trick with words. And the same word that he uses for the, the fruit I want you to have in you, lasting fruit or remaining, is the same word that he's already used 10 times. Here's what he's saying. The same way that I remain in the Father and you remain in me, I want that fruit, fruit to remain in you, which means I want it to be this consistent all the time, not sometimes on and sometimes off. I want it to be this all the time thing in your life where you're like just a natural fruit factory, like it's just pouring character out of you. That's the goal. So hear me, if you're here and you don't have any fruit, in a minute I'm gonna give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ and you're gonna have that first encounter. If you're here and like you're new to faith and man, you've given your life to Jesus, you just need to go to that next step, more fruit. Some of you much fruit, all of us ultimately, that you would have fruit that remains. And my greatest prayer today is that you'll realize, begin to speak what Jesus said and you will produce much fruit. That's his confession. Let's make it ours. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you today that, Lord, you are, you are well invested in bringing us the change that we all desperately need. God, not change for the sake of change or for the sake of religion or for the sake of earning your love. It's so freely given. But God, because we want to bring you glory and you want to use our lives, help us to be the people you've called us to be. God, I pray in people all over this room, listen to me. God, I pray in Jesus' name for people here, God, no matter where they're at, that God, you would encourage them and and motivate them and convince them that they can go to another stage of more fruit in their life. All over this room, if you're saying, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me today? I I really want to give God access to my life. I want to give him access to my heart. I want to give him access to the branches in my life to prune where he needs to prune because I want to be who he's called me to be. If that's your heart and that's your confession, that today you just want to invite God really into that process in a new way. I want you to lift a hand real high, not to me, but to him, saying, God, just come on, come and have your way in my life, have your way in my heart. Come on, all over this room, man, every believer ought to have a hand raised. God, I want to go to that new level in you. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that we can be the people you've called us to be, not through our power, but yours. I pray, God, help us to remain in you. Help us to plug into you every moment, every day, every circumstance, every situation. Help us, God, not to be severed from the Savior, but to stay connected. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Listen, just before you you head out the door, I want to just give some other people an opportunity maybe to take the first step. Listen, all of you here, man, if you're new to church, new to spiritual things, or maybe you've been coming a while with questions, the greatest step you can take is for you to open your life personally to Jesus. Listen, the Bible makes it clear that sin separates us from a God who loves us. Our mistakes cause a gap between us and heaven. And there's nothing we can do to fix it. You can't be good enough, smart enough. You can't give enough, come to church enough. The only thing that bridges the gap is the cross of Calvary. Jesus died because he loves you. And through his death, he made it possible to forgive you of your sin so your father could have a relationship with you. In order to make that yours, you gotta make it personal, which means you have to say, I'm a sinner. And God, I need your grace. And I wanna experience your love. 
So Heavenly Father, I pray just one more prayer that not one person, God, watching online or here live, would walk out of this place. God would turn off this broadcast without saying yes to you. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never said yes to his grace, you've never said yes to his forgiveness, you've never said yes personally to his love, and maybe today, man, God's just tugging on your heart, and today you want to say yes. Today you want to say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me? I want to give my life to Christ. I want to experience what you're talking about. I want the forgiveness that you're talking about. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high. No fear, no shame, but just because you want to experience God's love. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks, man. All the way in the back, right here up front, I see you. Lift a hand up real high and say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I see you all the way in the front row. I see you back here, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks over here. Just one more minute. It's a great opportunity, man, for you to start a relationship with God that'll last for eternity. Anybody else? Thank you. We're going to pray together, man, for these, I don't know, eight or nine people that's lifted a hand. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this out loud because the Bible says if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord, and if we'll believe, if we'll put faith in the reality that he died for us and he rose from the grave, the Bible says we'll be saved. So we're going to do that together. I want to invite everybody in this house to let's pray this prayer. Let's support those who are taking this step of faith. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this with faith in your heart. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin so I could be forgiven. And I believe that you rose from the dead in three days. And because you live, I live also. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you that right now I'm saved and I'm your child. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, y'all ought to get excited about that. Woo! Hey, listen, man, we love you guys. Thanks so much for being here this weekend. If you're a first-time guest, thanks for being here. Man, we celebrate you. If you'll stop by the Connect Room, we'd love to put a gift in your hand. If you need prayer, everybody hear this. No matter where you're at, what you're struggling with, we have people that would love to come alongside you, man. Hug your neck, pray with you, and uh, you can stop by again the prayer and care room. God bless you guys. Make sure you come back next week for the last week of Mango. Week three, we'll see you then.